the the spare room that we have that I do this in is just <laughs> slowly filling with stuff for this <laughs> computer. Yeah. I, this tower, holy shit. I'm serious. Like your tower probably fits inside this. I did not <laughs> realize how big this tower <laughs> is. Big fucking tower, man. It's got it's got like eight bays holy built into shit. it for uh you could put just two PCs for, together in that. Yeah, it, it it can hold like like three three and a half inch Why did you get hard one drives. So big? I honestly, I was just like, I looked at it and I was like, wow, this looks like it's got some pretty cool airflow. It's got the hatches, like the <laughs> little little like latches on the side to easy open, whatever. It's got cable management in the back and underneath. There's a little <laughs> compartment that you can literally pop up and you slide the power supply in there, but it has little sub compartments <laughs> that you can put your various wires in. And oh, I was like, wow. Oh my God. So I'm like looking at this. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is the fucking tits right here. So <laughs> now it's so, huge. Uh, it's, I didn't know it was going to take up a room. It's 772 almost, inches is so much the, bigger than I thought it was. <laughs> the box is almost up to my waist. <laughs> That's huge. That I is mean, massive. I won't have to worry about cooling. I mean, <laughs> I have the motherboard. Motherboard's coming in tomorrow. Uh, so <laughs> I, it's just another box. I just have boxes on boxes of for PC parts just like hanging out on top of all the other <laughs> bullshit that's in this room. That's the standard. And it's just like. I, I have to do something about this room. I, you know, there is something about that, though. The pile uh, that is going to become a PC that I loved. Like, when I was picking stuff up for the build with Phil, like, it, there was, like, a spot in the basement where I was going to put it together, and there was just boxes on top of each other. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to make that into a thing, and it's going to be yeah. amazing. Like, there's just such, such an excitement about that. Like, And it's it's great, too, and I'm like, I'm getting excited about it, and it's like, Kayla was laughing at me when I pulled this case out of the box and I was like looking through it and everything like that. But looking at this just giant beast in front of me, right. I realized too, like I, I didn't even think of this. I have to buy a new computer desk too <laughs> because I can't, I can't set it on the ground. I mean, it's got risers <laughs> on the bottom too. So it doesn't make a co uh, connection. Phil uh, is definitely going to make fun of you the next time we talk. If I, if I put this as a bonus anywhere, I am telling you, I have to, <laughs> it's got reinforced handles on the tops and thank Christ it does because <laughs> it's, it's literally, I have to one heft it up and it's empty right now. <laughs> That's funny. Time to get your fix. It's a horrible gaming podcast. It's not good. It's not great. Horrible gaming podcast. It's not even what you would call fair. It's really not that good. Gaming Podcast. Hello, my name is Zachariah with Old Man Gaming. You have decided, for whatever reason, to tune into another horrible gaming podcast. We're excited for the show tonight. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, maybe a little cranky, maybe a little fun. Who knows? Uh, but I am not alone. As always, I am joined by... Neil, a.k.a. Tiny Wizard. And before we get into the fun, we must do the credits. And uh, just a couple of shout-outs. The first being, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're noticing some fancy graphics, and those were all provided by Mark Bell. I also want to point out, 
Neil does not know this yet, but we have a new banner, Neil. We have a new banner. Oh, really? S- slight modification. I'm sorry, Knights, if you're listening. You are no longer a co-host. We had to retire you from the main screen banner. I apologize. I just had to do it. Had to do it eventually, so it is done. So, yeah, it's just you and me now. We've got a new banner that is just your name and mine. Ooh. And, and we thank Mark for that. He does all the original graphics here. Yes, thank you very much. And Feels then, of so course, <laughs> of course, the uh, um, of course the theme song of this and all the shows here on Old Man Gaming are provided by my brother, the man who makes the music, Nick Van Sliders. We thank him for that. I also urge you, while it is not fully complete, there's one more little intro track. Check out his playlist album on our channel. He has some great music there. It is amazing. Horrible Gaming Podcast. All right, so that's stuff out of the way. It brings us to usually our favorite segment of the show. That would be fan interaction. However, apparently, a certain uh, biggest fan of ours decided that a gauntlet was thrown down last week and uh, went for a record. Uh, Kev, you got the record. You proved the point. Uh, we don't need this many, but I'm going I'm going to hold true to my promise. I'm going to try and read them all. But before that, we are going to get some business out of the way, and that would be the horrible arena. Neil. Yes. I took a win. Yeah, I saw that. I am now actually, officially, within striking distance. Uh, so we had Phil Billy vote. My vote this week goes to the Sonic game. Uh, parentheses, I really want Neil's game, especially since it's not, uh, I'm not a Sonic fan and it sounds awesome, but it kind of alienated what I like in a game by specifying single player only, as I would really love to invite my friends and have ship battles with them. So, uh, in fairness, I don't think Phil Billy plays a game by himself ever, so I get that. Uh, then we gotta jump on over to Discord. Right quickly. I don't know why I fell into an accent on that one. <laughs> uh, and then Phil Billy uh, also said, Ree! Me, instantly enraged at Neil's view on Crunch. Laugh out loud. <laughs> uh, then Greenscar jumped in and said, Zach's talking some new kicks. Ones like we ain't never seen. Sonic RPG by a landslide for me. How sweet would it be to have Horizon showcase-like events to get the Chaos Emeralds? Uh, <laughs> uh, he also answered the question, and I'm going to go ahead and just do that now since he is the only person to answer the question, um, even though it's mid the vote, but I'm here and we're trying to make this easy. He uh, said, my New Year's gaming resolution is to see what all the fuss is about in Monster Hunter, meaning trying to get through the intro, laugh out loud. It's tough, Green Scar. It's tough. <laughs> the intro is the worst part of that game. Um, and then the final vote came from, from Kev. He said, May, making it back several hours later to finish listening to the show. I listened twice to the arena because on first, li- on first listen, I instantly gave the vote to Zach before listening to Neil's, and I felt that was unfair. After my second listen, I came to this conclusion. My vote still goes to Zach. I really want to play that RPG. Just hits the spot for me. I do want to watch someone play through Neil's game beginning to end because it sounded beautiful. So, 
I got the win, buddy. Yep. <clears throat> now I am officially within striking range. It is 11 to 10, and I just want to give you a heads up. I don't know if you remember the one that I told you is probably a definite winner for me, but I'm uncorking it today. Eh. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what happened. From the very beginning, I started out fine, and now I can't get, I can't get <laughs> one in edgewise. So it's... It's whatever now. You've been I you've think, been throwing them back and forth. Yeah, I love how you're already ready to admit defeat. You're still a point up on me. Yeah, I don't know. I think <laughs> it's my my problem was I was I think I had been pitching to win, but honestly, it doesn't matter because like it, it's it's a catch twenty two. I can pitch some crazy stuff that only I would play and only I would like and be like, <laughs> yeah, satisfied. Or I have to pitch something that sounds good that somebody else would want to play but i wouldn't it's, necessarily be crazy about it's tough i i try and always pitch a game that i would enjoy in some way shape or form that's that's usually my rule of thumb is i always try and just like pitch a game that i would like to play and i i really want sonic to be that <laughs> not gonna lie um all right so in we jump into the kev pool and i'm, I'm doing these in order Started my listen at 8 p.m. on posting day. Damn, am I late. Kev Tutal then said one. Then he said two. Then he said three. Then he said four. Then he said five. Then he said six. Then he said seven. Dot, 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 dot. Holiday mode disengaged. Then he said <laughs> eight. Days until more Cyberpunk 2077 news. <laughs> then he said nine. Games of Among Us. Then he said 10 Mortal Kombats. Then he said 12 Days of Christmas. Then he said 13 games, uh, 13 Halo games produced. Then he said 14 days a fortnight. He said 15 is half of 30. It is. He said <laughs> 16 to start driving. He said 17 is the old, is the odd age, is the odd age to reach. Then he said, 18, you're in the army now, son. Winky face. 19 kinds of cookies. 20 double cheeseburgers. 21, bring the liquor. 22, pay the college debt off forever. Yeah, if you could do it by 22, I'm impressed. Uh, 23, join the rat race of life. 24, ways to make a game fail in 2021. 25, half price games at GameStop. 26 is the best level of Tetris. 27 is the secret code for infinite mana. 28 makes the screen go black. 29 games will be delayed in 2021 more than once. Stop it, Kev. 30, the age you become sentient of how video games should be. 31, you realize you should be, you should be collecting these things. 32, is only 10 away from the real answer. 33, the number on your NASCAR hood when you fly like an eagle. 34, the rounds in your AK magazine in Goldeneye. 35 tracks in Mario Kart 8. 36% of Americans aged 50 and older play video games. 37% increased the game sales Q3 2020 over Q3 2019. 38, the number you want to see before D&D, uh, before DD. 39, the time you fear the 40. 40, the halfway mark through most of life. 41, the answer is right around the corner. 42 is the answer. 
43 takes you from Streetsboro to Kent. 44 takes you from Ravenna to Mentor. 45 goes Warren to Madison. 46% is then your Halo life goes yellow. 47 was the challenge. 48, Monster Hunter Rise will be a blast. We'll talk about that tonight. 49, yes, we need Epic Sonic games, not made by Epic Games, though. 50, games will never be get a real return policy. We all wish, but it will never happen. 51, Zach is off his rocker. CDPR is not going to fold. GOG makes too much money. Then, he's finally done with the numbering and goes, Crunchy Pizza Crust is yummy. He then said, sadly, as good as unions are in theory, they all fail due to personal greed way too easy. Those in charge of running the union always end up, end up ruining it. I tend to agree with that. Uh, and then finally, the post I read about the vote. And I just want to point out, Neil, our total time for the show so far is still nine minutes. So I, I think I did a pretty good di job getting through all that. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Kev, <laughs> you win. I don't know what the contest was. You win it. You win it. You win all the money. Okay? All the money we don't actually have. <laughs> but as usual, I do want to say, Kev, you are our biggest fan. You continue to be our biggest fan to the date. And even when sometimes it is disturbing the level of fandom you have, we appreciate it, man. You cannot not call it. Have to at this point. <laughs> you know what? You you That's literally the prize. can't. That's the prize for this episode and this episode only. It's Kev Traction. It's Kev Traction today. I, that's the prize. I'm gonna admit one time and one time only that this was Kev Traction. Kevin, congratulations. I'm giving you the clap. You have defeated one of the most stubborn men I know, and that is me. Good job. Good job, buddy. Good job. Good job. <laughs> so. Neil, what was your New Year's gaming resolution? <laughs> uh, mine's mine's kind of just like really just strange, I guess. I have been telling myself that I'm going to play Bloodborne for a very long time now. Okay. And maybe I'm finally going to do it. <laughs> well, that's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, I uh, those games aren't. I've not really played any Souls-like games. I've heard that is the quote-unquote easiest <laughs> of them. So I guess that's a good place to start. Uh, and I like that the idea of basically when you get hit, to you have to hit back to get your health, basically. Forcing you to be offensive rather than defensive. Mm. I like that idea because I always play games very defensively. Yes, so, so do I. It's going to be, uh, uh, that'll be interesting. I hope I can get around to doing that someday, one day, eventually. Okay. All right. Cool. 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 All right. Well, I don't really have a game resolution. <laughs> I know I asked the question. I don't have anything. <laughs> Nothing at all? Uh, you know. Even no, if it's I... usually you want to play something. Mm. Like. That's I mean, literally all mine was. It's like true. I have a game that I bought like two years ago, and I'm just that's looking true. at it. I I do want to finish Horizon Zero Dawn. I'll do that. Ooh, that'll be a good one. If it fell like the purchasing of it fell in a weird place where I ended up getting a bunch of other things right after it, so I'm only about halfway through it. Um, so I really I really want to play, and every time I go back to it, I have a lot of fun. And then when I 
sit down at the computer, I end up playing something else. So I'll try, I, I want to try and finish that this year at some point, especially since there's really nothing coming out for a while. We're gonna we're gonna definitely talk about that. I think. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So uh, all right, I think that just about does it for fans' traction. If there's unless there's anything you want to add, uh, I don't think so. All right, guys, uh, we will be right back with our first talking point. Horrible gaming podcast. All right, so that brings us to our first talking point, and uh, you know this is a talking point that's been kind of on my mind for a couple of weeks, and since there isn't like any, well, there is a little big news. I don't really want to talk about that big news. I don't want to spend the whole show on that big news, so I would much rather talk about something else. And like I said, this has been on my mind for a few weeks. Uh, it's kind of something that's upset me. I really just want to bring it up on the podcast and discuss it. Um, so there has been this laundry list of games releasing pre-order benefits and pre-order like package like stuff for pre-order without a release date. And like this never used to be a thing. This never used to be a thing. I don't understand why more people aren't upset about it. You should not, they, they should not, there should not be any infrastructure for them taking your money without them being able to tell you when this game comes out. I mean, you're talking about, and, and granted, uh, there can be a case to be made. I'm sorry, Neil, I'm going to go on a little rant here and I'll, I'll, I'll switch it over to you right Zach, away but I you just... do not have to apologize for your rants i honestly <laughs> expect them and welcome them at this point just okay. that way right. you know that way i know you're okay <laughs> okay uh so like uh one now I, I derailed myself on that one uh there there can be an argument made that well if you're if you're pre-ordering a game without a release date you're an idiot I'm not saying that there isn't a level of smarts to it, but I still think it's wrong. They're, they are literally taking your money for a product that does not exist. And yeah, sure, it's on somebody's computer somewhere in a build, but they don't even need that. They could have sent this thing over to a, one because a lot of the advanced trailers are just they tell a company that does cinematics what they want in the cinematic and it has nothing to do with gameplay. They can literally put that up now and take your money for a full-priced game. That game could never come out. The company could fold. Like, I am – and this is not an easy an, an easy business to get refunds back. And while it's a little bit old, easier for pre-orders, it's not always that easy for pre-orders either. I, I think it's wrong. And I – I think it's predatory. I think it's one of the more predatory things going on right now. Biomutant just like released all their pre-order packages and that's what kind of incited it for me because I've been waiting for Biomutant for a while. Uh, I think it looked like a really cool game 2 years ago when it when it first showed. Um and they've they've, you know, delayed their windows and whatever. But now they've got they've got a way for you to actually purchase this game without ever knowing when it's come out. Vampire uh, Masquerade Bloodlines 2, that has pre-orders. That's gone through two creative directors and is in development hell. They have taken people's money for pre-orders for that. Like, that kind of stuff is driving me nuts. And I, I, I want to hear what your thoughts are on it. Honestly, I think it's... it's I don't, I don't know what angle to hit at this. Um, okay. I think the only defense that I will really I mean, I'm really sure whatever level... you say, it's going to make me mad. 
Uh, no, I, <laughs> I actually, I don't think goes. this one's going to upset you too much, Yay. but I don't know at the same time. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the only defense that I can really level for pre-orders is the production of physically pressing games to discs. That's it. Okay. But no, I'm outside... sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. You, you just started talking. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. But outside of that, I mean, like. People can pre-order digitally. Why? There's no reason. It's literally a copied code. Mm-hmm. You don't ne- necessarily need to pre-order unless there's a release date. And granted, a lot of digital storefronts won't put a pre-order up until it's really time, you know, for yeah. the game or has a really solid release date. But like, just just think if we did this for other mundane life things. Right. Right. Like, I would like to pre-order a gallon of milk, please. Like, why? You know there's going to be milk. You know there's going to, like, the milk is going to be there. And if they're sold out of milk, you can just go to another store. The chances of them not having milk when you go there at all is slim to none. It very rarely happens with games. Now... Well, I will say, I was going to say, like, a place like GameStop have started doing things like only shipping enough games for the pre-orders. Right. I think that might be something like creating this artificial demand. Okay. So they can say, oh, well, we sold out of all of our copies. Like, okay, yeah, but you only had pre-orders sent to you, so it's very easy to say that you're sold out for something like that. But I, I do, uh, I'm, I'm on the same boat, like in the same boat as you is like, I don't think there necessarily needs, there's no need to have pre-orders up ahead of time. Now, what I think is the more predatory and nasty sort of thing that they do is pre-orders for special edition versions of games that don't even have the game. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's there are a lot of those, and yeah, there are people right. like they they just use this pre-order to confuse people. Like if you look back at Anthem's launch, if you pre-ordered with what service you pre-ordered, you can start playing the game on this day, but mm-hmm. not that day. Yeah. This, that, and the other thing. The advanced I mean, play is a little irritating as well. Yeah, yeah, and the deals that they have for like uh, one of the Batman Arkham games had ridiculous amounts of Uh skins for Batman across all the different versions of the game. And it's just like that it's too much. It's unneeded that serves more. So the brick and mortar locations or the services than the game itself. I just, I I think it's an archaic thing that we have gotten stuck to doing. And now they rely on that for sales numbers. Right. You know, that is, that's something that, you know, I, I want to capitalize on that. Uh, like, I don't want to interrupt you, but I don't want you to no, get too good. far from this before uh, I, I, I add to it. Uh, the video games industry is starting to feel like a Ponzi scheme. Like, and, and, and that's what bothers me is everything is a promise. Like, you're always paying for a promise that never seems to get fulfilled. And, and that is something that's, that's seriously irritating me. You know, you said... The, the milk analogy that you use, you know milk's going to be there. But like Scalebound, what if Scalebound had offered pre-orders to people? <laughs> you know true. what I mean? Like, like 
when you don't even have a date, I mean, you can have gameplay out the wazoo and not have a date. That game might get canceled. Your company could go go under. Stuff could not get finished. You know, there. How many canceled games have we seen that come up or get leaked later? How many games that like we knew about and then all of a sudden they just weren't ever going to come out? You know, like it. I mean, I think it's archaic for pre-orders. Period. I agree with you on that. I think that I understand the idea behind the special editions, trying to make some extra revenue. I kind of get that. Uh, I don't necessarily love the early access stuff. I I think when a game's ready, a game's ready. But even the early access stuff kind of adds into the kind of like con artist Ponzi feel of it. Like it's almost like they're always giving you a little chunk of something, but never the thing. And then when the thing is out, they've got everybody's money already. So it yeah. doesn't matter what that thing is. You know, like, and I'm not even just, I know that people are going to think I'm alluding to CDPR with this. And I think they're definitely probably the best example right now. But they're not the only ones that do it. They're not the only ones who right. have done it. And, like, this kind of thing has just become, like, commonplace in video games. It's like it's always a trailer or gameplay footage or a beta that they're showing us, they're never actually giving us the game until they've sold all their copies. And that that is insane to me. Like, I can't think of an industry that works like that, you know? Like, it would be like, it would be like we're going to sell milk to everybody. Use your milk analogy. We're going to sell milk to everybody, but we're not going to sell any milk to anybody until all the milk is sold to somebody. So yeah, you got to go it, in and get a milk voucher. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's craziness, you know? Yeah, and, like, I can see pre-orders for things that are done, like, there's limited stock, limited run. Like, right. obviously, pre-ordering consoles, I mean, truthfully, if you didn't pre-order the new consoles, if you were even able to, you probably didn't wind up with one. Yeah. That I can understand because hardware is totally different animal than, you know, pressing games to a disc. It is. I And I, I'm not even saying that pre-orders necessarily shouldn't be a thing they're not my favorite thing in the world but i definitely like pre-ordering stuff like just a couple weeks before it comes out you know because then i get to have it right when it comes out i'm not even pre-ordering the special package just so that like especially with digital like i can set up my computer so that when it unlocks even if i'm sleeping it'll just download it the game's there for me as soon as i can play it you know uh, yeah. plus with the pre-order stuff like digital, you can also sometimes like pre-install it so that the minute yeah. it unlocks, you could just play. I like that. And I, I'm not against that. I'm not against pre-orders as a whole in certain, in, in all situations. But like, I feel like it's gotten to this point. Like, and I think that was the tipping point for me where I'm like, enough is enough. I got to say something about it. And, and, and it's all these games now because Biomune isn't the only one. I forgot to research what the other one is, but there is another one that has no release date, but you can purchase it and get like stuff for it. And it, it's like, like that's predatory to me in some way, shape or form, you know? Yeah, I, I'll definitely agree. I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say predatory, but I just think it's, I just think it's like it's pointless, it's useless because again, you know, you can throw your money down and something, you know, gets delayed or because yeah. lord knows that happens a lot now. And I don't think especially now that games are becoming more and more of an undertaking and, uh -huh. you know, 
they they just take more. I mean, you you had mentioned about it, but I'll come right out and say it. I mean, CD Projekt Red with Cyberpunk. I uh-huh. mean, we were promised the sky, and what we got, you know, was far and away not right. what right. it was necessarily promised. Even to if be. you love that so, game, it's not what anybody thought it was going to be. You know? Right. I mean, like I object. Like. I know it's objectively a bad game. I mean, I'm at 38 hours in it now. I I still play it right. as often as I can, but you like it's not what was promised and I'll tell you I we pre-ordered this game uh when pre-orders opened when the original mm-hmm. launch date was like March or something like that. We've had this game pre-ordered yeah, yeah, April. April uh, we had this game pre-ordered for like a year and a half, like before we finally got it. And I like, I know that's dumb looking at it on paper. And there's some things like you know, like whenever I got uh, Kingdom Hearts three, I pre-ordered Kingdom Hearts three because I got the collector's edition. Right. So those were limited quantity. That's you know, that's that. And like, I knew what I was getting with that game, unless, you know, it turned out to be a trash fire, which thank God it didn't, uh, at least how it worked. Uh, but still like you, you put that money down knowing what you're going to get in the end. And I think now people are going to start questioning that more because games are coming out needing these day one patches and work afterwards. And I think people are starting to get more wise to, how like the industry as a whole functions when they put stuff out. Right. It's not like it was before where there was a, a quality bar. That bar keeps getting pushed ever so slightly a little bit more. And the mindset is now, oh, well, we'll fix it later. And there are some people who don't necessarily have access to internet for patches and stuff like that. Right. And they may regret putting down money for that pre-order in the first place right. because of it. Well, and there's there's ways to make money ahead of time, you know, and, and I, I think that like I think the industry as a whole is kind of pushed in the wrong direction, both both the consumers and the people, the, the people making the products. And that is we've got to have this perfect game on day one. And like, don't get me wrong, you shouldn't be selling a broken game. That being said, I don't think anybody out there expects a game to not have a day one patch and not to have like one or two big bugs. Games just are too big now to, to make them perfect right out the door. The thing is though, is I feel like if you need to make that money ahead of time, maybe you should do what grounded did and put it in beta, make like charge people a little bit less, let people get in on the ground floor and then build it as you go along. And then the people who want a full game can buy it when it's done and the people who want the game now can play it in the condition and nobody's going to be pissed at you for like the situation that you're in, you know, for like a lie, you know, uh, and you're going to get some money ahead of time. I, I think if the if the reasoning is financial, there are less crappy ways to do it, you know, uh, and the other thing is too, maybe predatory is a stronger word. I still feel like these companies are selling us hype more than they're selling us games anymore. I mean, yeah. And that's kind of driving me nuts. Like that's really driving me nuts. Like I'm going to buy the games. I'm a gamer. All the gamers out there are gamers. Like I don't understand why you feel you need to lie to us about stuff. Like, well, take cyberpunk 2077. I, I, I hate to go back to it, but 
if CDPR had told me what that game was, and I'm not even talking about the buggy consoles, we can all agree that's atrocious and a nightmare. I'm talking about the PC version that works that I still don't like because they lied about what it is. If they had just told me what that game was, I still would have been excited about it. I still would have gone out and bought it, but I wouldn't have been pissed that it wasn't what it was, and I wouldn't be trying to get a refund out of them. You see what I'm saying? Like, I feel like companies, I, I don't know where it became acceptable or it became a good idea for them to lie to us to make money off us when they could make money off of us by telling the truth. I think that stems from all the companies having the basic understanding that a lot of people don't go and buy multiple 60 or now $70 games uh, a, a month. They pretty much only right. buy one. One or so two. So I think, yeah, one or two. I mean, I myself, I can't even remember the last time that I bought two in the same month, truthfully. I, I've bought two a couple of times, but that's usually because, like, it'll usually be because, like, three months have gone by without me buying games, and, like, the games that I want release within two weeks of each other, you know? Oh, you know what? I lied. Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing. There you go. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, like, I'll buy them. I also will tend to buy a lot of games right around holiday and my birthday because I have a lot of, like, gift cards and stuff to buy right. them with. But, like, I'll have huge, like, month-long patches where I don't buy something. But sometimes they release them together. I would say I average a game a month. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's and that's what it is, right. is they are the, the companies all are under this understanding, basically, that they are all competing for that same money in somebody's wallet and they're willing to do whatever it is okay. that they can to get people to buy it well, as deceptive me, as it is. Let me just speak on behalf of gamers, on behalf of most gamers, two companies right now, companies. Right now, gaming is absolutely the highest grossing industry on the planet. It makes more money than sports and movies and TV combined. It's insane the amount of money that gaming makes. That means everybody's playing it. And I'm also going to tell you something else. Gamers like different things. There are different gamers for all different things. Your game has a market. So just tell us the truth up front, and the people who are going to play your game are going to play your game, and you're going to make plenty of money off of it. Stop competing with each other. Why does CDPR feel it needs to compete with anybody in December? They're, they were the, you know what I mean? Like, they're the only game that's like that. Like, stop right. competing. Like, I would get it if you had a market share that was only so big and only going to collect so many people. Video gaming is the biggest you know what I mean? Like, there is plenty to go around. The table has plenty of food. Pitch the game that you pitch, and the people who want to play your game, and there will be plenty, will show up and buy it. You know what I mean? But yeah. it would avoid these situations where tons of people who wouldn't want your game buy your game because they think it's something it's not, and then you get a bunch of bad press about it. I honestly have been a, a long-time proponent, and I feel like... As much as it would drag out development time and costs, I feel like all games, especially now in the age that we are in, should have a demo out okay. and available okay. that they can download. We were going to get to that in the odds and ends because I was going to bring that up. But uh, no. you know what? We're here now, so let's just do it. Um, there's a game that's delayed recently that's a real bummer. 
because it's a game that I've been very excited about. And I it was only three weeks till release, so I went out and bought it, and then it delayed for another two and a half months. So now I've got $61 just tied up in that game, which is very frustrating. <laughs> um, <laughs> but aside from that, the good thing that came out of it is they decided, and 100%, you and me both know, it's because of CD. PR's shit that they did this. I don't even think they would have delayed if it weren't for what happened with Cyberpunk. I don't even think we would have had it delayed. I think they saw what was going on with Cyberpunk and they were like, okay, we need to make absolutely sure this game is good. We're not going to be the next Cyberpunk. We're not going to get muddled into this. And we're going to give everybody a demo a month ahead of time so that they can decide whether they like it or not. And that is amazing. I like that. I don't like the delay. I've My... My ideas on delays here have been well-known for anybody who's listened to any podcast, but I love the demo, and I'm totally with you. You know, if you're not going to give us refunds, if we're going to be in an industry without refunds, every game should come with a, a demo. Give us all a freaking 12-hour demo that carries over our progress. You, Everybody would be happy. We wouldn't even need the refunds anymore, you know? Uh I don't know about a 12-hour demo, maybe like a two-hour demo. It needs to be more than two hours if your game, like C- Cyberpunk had two hours of cutscenes in the beginning. It was a fucking eight-hour prologue. I mean, it's with that, though, that. They, they could easily, like, it. That that's what I'm saying. Like, with the the build, they could do a demo build that cuts out a lot of stuff. They can just start you out with X, Y, and Z and have you do it. Like, uh... What's oh, I called? see. That's not the a bad Final idea. Fantasy, okay. Final Fantasy 15 demo, the first one that came out, yeah, that but came bundled in with another Final Fantasy game. That one, granted, I actually I'm weird and put like 15 hours into the demo, but it was just like one area, right? And it's like, hey, here's some starting equipment. There's a little bit more that you can find throughout the everything here, but right. The Here's monster, an open area, do what you can, and that's what you get. The Monster Hunter Rise demo is like that as well. I, I don't necessarily love those, though, because I don't think that they give you a full scope of the game. On top of that, it feels like you're playing something that doesn't matter because none of your progress carries over. It's one thing that I like about the Outriders demo that is coming out is they've said, I don't know how many hours it is that's playable, but they said you'll be able to play every class and any progress you make in the game, in the demo, carries over to the game. So, like, mm-hmm. anything that happens in the demo you get to go over, that that speaks my language. And, and the Monster Hunter Rise demo, we're going to talk about it later, so I don't want to get too into it. Uh, and even the demo you're talking about, sometimes they cut out the best features, you know, because they want to get you into the action. And, and that's something that that I feel like just give us the game but just the first little chunk of it and let us decide. But just have our progress carry over, you know? Yeah. Still, I, I'm in total agreements with the demo. I think a demo would cut down on refunds on a whole. But either way, I think that pre uh, somebody needs to say no to the pre-orders without a date. I think that needs to not happen. That's, that's too far. It's too far gone. Yeah, definitely. Um uh, yeah, I I would say that pre-orders without a date, uh, like you said, it's just kind of putting money at a promise. If you know that no matter what, you're going to pick that game up and you understand what you're getting with it, mm-hmm. like 
then okay, go ahead. But there are some people who are either they don't follow gaming like hyper close, like in right. regards to like the actual industry and how things run, right? Or like they just think that everything's going to be sunshine roses, you know, and it's, right. it's not all the time. Right. All right. Well, I, I think we've covered this. Uh, we can move on if you're down. Sure. All right. Horrible gaming podcast. All right. So that brings us to our second talking point. Yeah. We're actually doing one of those for once. Um, Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, they came out with a big trailer. Uh, the game comes out March 26th, and they just launched a huge demo uh, on the Switch. I have played it, and a tiny wizard actually jumped in and decided to play it. I actually have mixed feelings about it. So, uh, first of all, though, Neil, this is your first Monster Hunter game. From what I understand, you didn't like it. Uh, give me your experience, man. I... And so, I promise not to judge you. Yeah, uh, like I well, like you'd said, like this is the first time I've ever played any Monster Hunter game, so I didn't necessarily even know what it was that I was getting myself right. into. Right. Um, and I, I don't know if it is just the demo being the way that the demo is. Um, the way that it's laid out doesn't necessarily show you, like, doesn't guide you to the tutorial right out of the gate. No, it doesn't. It it's just I it wasn't until like I tried the first time uh, I did. Uh, I, I tried. It was like I was looking at the classes like, OK, I'll do the the daggers or whatever mm-hmm. it is. The, the two is like that's that's my kind of M.O. And I just kind of dropped right into it. And I'm uh, there's like four different bars up in the corner. Yeah. And I'm like, what do these buttons do? I don't know what any of the buttons do. Right. And it's like. I, I like I get into fighting the thing and it's kicking my ass. It's like, oh, use a healing potion. How do I do that? And it's like, oh, well, you gotta, yeah. you gotta put your weapon away first before you do anything. And it's like, you, you don't have just like a button to do the mm-hmm. healing. Like, no, you gotta put your stuff away first. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, okay, because it, it's very dark soulsy in that way. To me, it presents itself as uh, a, an action heavy game. Okay. Which it, I'd say is fair to say, but I feel like there's a bit more menu navigation than I would like in that sort That's of fair. thing. But again, like I said, like I didn't know what I was even getting myself into, right. but after I just beefed it really hard the first time around, I'm like, is there anything like to, to learn how to play this thing? And then I found the tutorial, but the tutorial it's doesn't even tell you half yeah. the stuff that you're supposed to yeah. know. Right. So I, I this demo and this game we kind of briefly touched on it. Uh, I think between segments. Yeah. I don't think that this is the way that one should start in no. the Monster Hunter because, like, I immediately was just like, "Well, this is not for me," and in, <laughs> uninstalled it. Uh, I, so... I gave it. I gave it a fair shake. I gave it about an hour and okay. fifteen minutes or so. So I like. I at least tried. I tried two of the different classes, but I. It was the same thing every time for me. Well, and again, I I want to hammer this home. And and I've said for a while I've wanted to do like a, a Let Astray special with you and just you play Monster Hunter while I lead you through it one day. Um, Monster Hunter World. Uh, because it really, like, Phil Billy will tell you the same thing. And Phil Billy is a huge Monster Hunter guy now. 
But you can actually see the first time Phil Billy plays Monster Hunter uh, in... It's an old show. you got to look for it back in our playlist, but it's called Let Astray, where I would force Phil Billy to play games other than Borderlands. Now he plays all sorts of different games, but back then he didn't. Uh, and this is the first time he played, and I, he wasn't a huge fan of it. And I remember actually, like, he played it in the Let Astray. Then he played it with me, and it was like, okay, I don't, I don't know about this game, Zach. And then he played it with me again, and he was like, man, I, this game is not doing it for me. And I was like, you don't have to play it, man. It's okay. And he's like, oh, this game is just not doing it. And then I, I was on it again, and he played it one more time with me, and then he was just in. Like, he got it. He pushed his chips in. And it's one of those games where if you're with it long enough, you're going to realize why it's amazing but you got to stay with it long enough, and that's not always recommended. You know what I mean? Yeah. That aside, I, I, this is a terrible way for you to play Monster Hunter the first time. I feel like if you're going to play Monster Hunter the first time, you need to play Monster Hunter World, and you need to play it with somebody who loves Monster Hunter World so that they can explain everything to you in a way that's going to make you love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I... uh uh, just before I let you uh, get into it, I'll tell right. you one thing though sure. that I know is a staple of this of this game series that I just infuriated me immediately in okay. practice is the need to have to sharpen your weapon. <laughs> I that is the stupidest. That is like how everybody feels about breakable weapons in games, <laughs> which I'm not even that big a fan of. The only game that's ever done it, and I've enjoyed it to some degree, is Breath of the Wild. And that's oh. really, I only give it a pass because I like that game as right. much as I do. Um, I, having to stop in the middle of fighting some creature to go sit behind a rock and grind your weapon. It's like, you would assume that like that, that's the only game that I know of that does something like that. And it's, it's just, so you, it's, it. I strongly need, disagree I with you. <laughs> I oh you got to sharpen the weapon in that game because it, first of all, it's one of the only things that limits the close combat's damage and, and gives it a strategy. Whereas the long range weapons don't have to sharpen, but they don't necessarily do as much damage. Uh, the other thing is, too, is if you time it, uh, you, you sharpen in between because, like, you fight a monster, the monster runs off, and then you have to track the monster again. When the monster runs off, you sharpen, and you're good usually until the monster runs off again. That's, that's kind of the trick. There's also other tricks later, like actual techniques that allow you to basically never have to sharpen. So strongly disagree but i get it i get it as a first player it would be a first time player would be really irritating it's one of those things that you don't understand why it needs to be in the game until you play more of the game um so the demo itself i actually have mixed feelings on though um yeah there was a couple of things that they took out of this game uh and maybe it'll make it into the actual thing there's a lot left first of all one of the best parts of this game neil is the builds is crafting weapons and building out your skills and your armor sets and all of that, and there's none of that in this demo. So you're not going to get to see any of that, and that is really half the game, you know? Um, and and in my opinion, kind of the fun part. <laughs> so, like, that's kind of a thing that, like, you don't get from the demo. Um, then the other thing... That bothers, which I get why that's not in a demo. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I understand why you're not going to do crafting in a demo. You're just going to want to show them what the game is.
But there's right. a big thing that was really cool about Monster Hunter World that they just don't have in that in this, and that is like tracking the monster isn't really a thing in this. In the other game, in Monster Hunter World, like I said, this is a demo. They might add this later. This might be in the full copy, and this is just the demo build of it. But in the other, in Monster Hunter World, you have these things called scout flies, which kind of highlight clues of where the monster is. And you have to actually, like, collect tracks and, you know, collect spots where it's moved and actually track the monster through the terrain. And that, I know that sounds boring, but at the same time, that's the thing that makes it feel epic. Well, not even just that. I don't think, like, I just... Again, like the game is built a monster hunter. It's like you track down these animals and, you know, you, you kill them and right. do whatever, you know, like you literally there's a just a red arrow. This is go this way. Right. I'm like, and so that's why, something that bothered me. A really bothered I... me <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- th- this will really bothered me about this one. I-, I think it was my biggest problem with this demo. I have one other big problem that I'm going to talk about. But and and again, the scout flies might appear in Monster Hunter Rise in the game or whatever. But like. I don't like that. And I know that previous Monster Hunters were probably a certain way. Uh, and Kev can speak to that because Monster Hunter World, I played a lot of Monster Hunter World, but nothing before that. But, like, the the best part about Monster Hunter World was the tracking. It made you feel like you had hunted this creature. It made it feel like an accomplishment, you know? Not just the fight and the takedown, but, like, figuring out where it is, figuring out how it moves, figuring out where it moves through the world and what it does. Like you can find where it sleeps and where it eats and where it like itches itself on a tree. Like you can find all that in monster hunter world. That's one of the cool things about it is you can learn about them. You know, you can figure out what other monsters it hates, what other monsters it doesn't care about. Whereas this, it's just like, there's an icon, go find the monster, kill the monster. Yeah. There's a lot of train. It's great. You can move through it. Go kill the monster. And I, I didn't like that. The well, other th- you know, there's – oh, sorry, real quick. There's yeah. a lot of terrain, but like – There is. There's also like nothing else. Uh, well, there's a lot of the endemic life. I don't know that I love the way they do the endemic life in this, but there's a lot of endemic life. Oh, like life. The, the little buff creatures. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yeah. that, that was weird to me. It's like so you see a squirrel on the ground, you just smear it on your body, and you get a plus two defense. Like That, that was, was just super like, weird. <laughs> Super weird. Can I can I say Monster in a World isn't like that. There's endemic life all over the place. You can catch them, make them into pets. You can uh, sell them for research points. Um, you there's side missions with them. Sometimes they like if you find the if you find the hares in uh, Monster Hunter World, they'll be like crawling around in like secret pathways. So if you follow them, you can find secret pathways. Like it's Monster Hunter World is all about interacting with your environment. You know, like there's this environment, this massive environment that you interact with to hunt the monsters, obviously, but you interact with the environment. This didn't feel like that. It felt like a level, and I didn't like that. Um, and the, the endemic life, like, yeah, like the picking up a turtle, and then when I put the turtle down, it, it creates a mist of healing. Like, that was very strange to me. Like, I don't know why that was that way. Um, the other thing I didn't like was the mounting system in this is nightmarish, and it's it's completely different from any other monster hunter I've ever seen, and I hate it because it ruins my favorite weapon, number one. Um, but number two, it just, I don't know, it was just unruly and silly, and I, I didn't understand why they did that at all. On the yeah. other side, 
On the other side of things, since we've bashed it a bit, and I don't want to bash it only because I'm still going to purchase it. Um, on the other side of things, I got to play Monster Hunter while I was sitting in my chair and my kid was falling asleep, you know? Like, I understand that they're going to have to strip stuff down. It's not going to be Monster Hunter World. So there's some give and take there. The things that they've cut, I'm not super excited about. But, like, it's still, I get to play Monster Hunter World just sitting in a, sitting in a chair, you know what I mean? Or, or in a car or wherever I get to play Monster Hunter, which is right. pretty freaking awesome in my opinion. Yeah, um... Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I said, uh, the Switch. What what gets me is the Switch. Always, while it was never really explicitly said, it always feels like a baby's first console sort oh, of deal. Yeah. So, like, a lot of kids will have Switches like as their first consoles right out of the gate, mm-hmm. and something like Monster Hunter, if little Timmy walks into a store and picks out a game and they pick up monster hunter. Like that is, that is a lot. I'm not going to disagree with you, but on the other side of that, every monster hunter fan, every true monster hunter fan is going to go out and buy a switch for this game. And that's what they're trying to get. I mean, sure. Yeah. I'm just saying like, I don't even think this is marketed to Timmy. I think this is bringing in a whole new group of people to switch, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, going back to kind of how we, how we, started everything is i i just got a different vibe from it than what it looked like it was right but i can't necessarily hold that against the game because that's like i said like i it's the first time i ever played a monster hunter game and i appreciate i appreciate you played it and tried it for the segment i i still i think if you're gonna i think sometime you should play monster hunter world and just sit down with me and we take two hours and you play Monster Hunter World. Because I think you would have a better, even if you didn't like the game, you'd have a better experience with it than something like this. I think in a lot of ways this demo was directly targeting the Monster Hunter diehards. And I think, again, that goes to what I was saying before, is that they're not trying, this is this is for the opposite side. This is to bring more adult players in. They want the right. Monster Hunter fans in there. And they already have a Monster Hunter game on switch and from what i understand that game is much more similar to this one than world is in a lot of ways so there's that i i don't know there's like i said i like it i'm i'm gonna get it i'm gonna play it i it will be more monster hunter even if it's stripped down it just to me it felt like the arcadey the arcadey little brother of monster hunter world like there was a lot of similarities but at the same time it's just very it's much more fast too. Like health goes down way quicker, uh, both for you and the monster. Like the the hunts aren't as longer. Uh, I don't know. There's just it. Like I said, I still liked it. I still enjoyed it. It was just it was a little bit disappointing for me, just because. I mean, and some of it could be they they truly nerfed my favorite weapon <laughs> like it is nearly useless right now compared to everything else so i'm i'm a little bit irritated about that um but yeah so nonetheless it's going till february 1st you get to play up to 30 missions in it but guys gals anybody playing that game if you want to play more than 30 missions just delete your save data for it and then reinstall it and you get another 30 
<laughs> like they've already posted that online that that's how it works after february 1st it won't do that anymore because it won't be on the e-store anymore so like you can play it if it's on your thing but like once you're out it's out but until february 1st if you play 30 missions and you're out just delete the save data and reinstall it and you're good um all right well i, th I think we covered that just about enough right yeah all right uh let's move to odds and ends Horrible Gaming Podcast. All right, that brings us to Odds and Ends. It's a segment where we like to do, where we like to just cover smaller stuff that doesn't necessarily warrant an entire talking point, uh, just but still things we want to tell you guys about or mention or say a few things about. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to go first, Neil. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you guys heard a little bit about my Odds and Ends already in Talking Point 1. Uh, Outriders, it is a, uh, you know, shooter, looter, type game almost like serious borderlands sort of thing that me and phil billy have been excited for for a very long time got delayed it was supposed to come out february 2nd it is now pushed all the way to april 1st um they did however on the upside say that as of february 25th you will be able to play a full a full demo of the game uh i'm not exactly sure the amount of hours that they'll let you play but they have said you will be able to play all four classes and your progress will go through to the next game they want to make sure that you want to play this game and that you like it before you actually commit to it which i appreciate all right um well uh found out a little bit of history of microsoft uh they apparently uh wanted to buy literally everyone <laughs> so the yeah, I heard them, about this. them buying things uh as of late has not been really new news. In fact, uh side side news, they've actually approached all major developers out there to try to get uh games on Game Pass. So the well has been run dry at that point. Uh so we'll see what all the fruits of that brings, but apparently Nintendo also tried, or Microsoft also tried to buy Nintendo like 20 years ago, and Nintendo just like kind of laughed at them through the whole meeting. <laughs> well, that's I just, fair. I thought that was funny. I I don't know what Microsoft. Now this was this was also like back like in early 360 days, right? So. Like very early 360 days, barely even. No, it wasn't even early 360 days. It was still in the original Xbox. So like, well, if it's Microsoft original Xbox, Nintendo wasn't doing that good. So I kind of I mean, see. I kind of see the point. The Wii hadn't come out. It hadn't become the the runaway success. They were kind of in a slump. The GameCube didn't do good. Like they weren't making a lot of money. I kind of get the offer. But at the same time, like Microsoft, who, like they're on their very first console and they're like, yeah, we're console manufacturers now and we're going to buy Nintendo. Like, well, and I that's... get that. I get that. I do think that like probably part of their pitch was just think of like, if you put your games on our amazing console, Sony wouldn't stand a chance, you know? And I think this was also the point too, that Nintendo was starting to really transition to that. We don't care what, right the other consoles are doing sort of right. thing. So I think it was very much wrong place, wrong time too. <laughs> well, yeah, but you, you don't know until you take a shot, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to fault in the shot, especially if like they're do, they were probably just doing okay because of halo and Nintendo wasn't doing great. I mean, I get it. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, my next one. Uh, Tenchu Stealth Assassin is probably nobody listening to this podcast remembers it. Well, maybe my brother. Uh, the creator of that wants to make a new game really, really badly. He does not think that it will happen anytime soon, but he just put it out there that he really wants to put it through. In actuality, Sekiro uh, Shadows Die Twice yeah. was supposed to be a new Tenchu game. Uh, but it got kind of like changed hands. So From Software actually has kind of the Tenchu license in a way. Uh, so it's kind of in kind of like a development between license thing. But uh, I'd love to see a new Tenchu Stealth Assassins in next gen. That was a really awesome PlayStation game that me and my brother enjoyed the crap out of. Yeah, I never played, but I know the name. And I do remember when uh, when the Sekiro uh, teaser originally came out, a lot of people did think it was a new, a new Tenchu game well and it came out later that it actually was supposed to be that it started in development with the original tenchu creator and somewhere along the line they were like okay we're just gonna make this another thing now yeah so uh your next one um well going back to microsoft uh just a little side piece of information too i thought it was very interesting Apparently, Microsoft also tore down a PS2 and used it as reference when building the original Xbox. So, <laughs> the original Xbox was inspired by a PlayStation 2 design-wise, to some degree, I guess. Right. But they, they reverse-engineered it, and I thought that's very interesting. That is interesting. I mean, if it ain't broke in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. Um, next level... The development company that uh, brought you Mario Strikers and Luigi's Mansion. Did you know they're not actually a first-party company? Well, they weren't. They are now. So you did have one that was mine. No, I had only heard about that okay. one. Yeah, that. Was, I just didn't put it on my list. I, I guess it's not finalized, but it's all but like ink is dried sort of situation. Like they're right. just working out the details, but they are about to be owned by Nintendo. And I tell you what, man, Nintendo... Luigi's Mansion is fine. I haven't ever played it, but give me another Mario Strikers. Please, 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 please. I honestly, I have that game downstairs for the Wii. I don't game. think I've ever played it. You're a crazy person. You should play it. It's fun. I love <laughs> that game. Um, well, uh, to move away from Microsoft news, uh, Cyberpunk is hemorrhaging players. Uh, apparently oh, 80% Can't imagine of why. Apparently 80% of the Steam player base is already gone. And now I must feel like this this must be what it feels like whenever live service games come out that aren't really necessarily uh, mm -hmm. up to snuff. And it's like, but I like it. But I like it. <laughs> well, and nobody faults you for liking it. But like, yeah. it's not what was promised. And they're paying for it, I think. I. I will say I'm still mad at them because they sent me they, the sons of bitches had the audacity to send me a reply email after their form would not actually let me fill it out for a refund. So they got another earful in my emails. I'll tell you that right now. So I'm going to assume that you are just not getting your refund. I am guessing not, but I'm going to tell you right now. And I had already guessed not because – so first of all, Cyberpunk did announce that everybody who wants a refund should get one regardless of of their of whatever. So like I I wasn't gonna do anything because I asked for a refund through Steam. Steam said I was over two hours, so I couldn't get one, so I just let it go. They said that, so I went to their help me refund whatever, and I sent them a letter. I sent them a a, a, 
I, <laughs> I did a whole lot of work on it. It took me an hour to prepare. I told them every grievance I had, every way that I felt that they had lied to me, uh, <laughs> all the bugs that I had encountered, uh, everything that I was let down by. Uh, and I cited it all and sent them to him, to him. And I even told him about the whole seven hours on Steam, two hours, which they only have a two hours. I, t I said the whole thing to him. Uh, they, they sent me back a reply that said, go here and fill out this form. I went there to fill out the form. First question on the form is, what did you buy this on? I say PC. It redirects you to Steam. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, so fuck a whole lot of you, CDPR. So at that point, I just let it go. I was like, okay, this is how you're going to play it. Whatever, you lied to me. I'm not going to fight with you all day long. They sent me an email two days ago saying, hey, we noticed you hadn't filled out the form yet. <laughs> I was like, you motherfuckers. So I literally, I, I just wrote another whole thing, and I, I didn't cite everything again. I was like, I cited all my grievances in the first email. If you need me to rewrite that, I will. You are liars. You have not given me my money back. I want a refund. If you are going to give me a refund, please give me a refund. Otherwise, leave me alone, you know? So I don't know. But yeah, anytime they keep sending me an email, they're going to keep that. I don't care where that email is going. It's getting sent to them. <laughs> Screaming into the void. Yeah. I mean, if that's what it is, that's what it is. That's the only email they've given out to get in touch with them. I blasted them on Twitter about it. Yeah. But like, that's it. Those are the two places you can talk to them. They just ignored my post on Twitter. Um, so my next one's a little bit sad. Uh, the Tetris champion, Janice Neubauer. But I hope I yeah. didn't pronounce his name wrong. Died at 39 of crazy out of nowhere health complications. They haven't said what it is, but just like 39, he dropped dead. Um, and everybody's very sad about it. Tetris, the Tetris Association's bummed. Like nobody's happy about this. Uh, and nobody should be. He, he's a seven-time Tetris world champion. And I know probably I, most of our listeners don't know that. And honestly, I didn't know that beforehand, but I took the time to read the story just because it sucks. This dude died at 39 and he accomplished something amazing in gaming. And I just wanted to know about it. You know, I'll tell you, um, I, I saw that story and it just so happens that, uh, totally unrelated. I had seen a video of, uh, one of the Tetris championships where he was in the finals. Oh, wow. Um, and I'll tell you, like, I'm a fan of Tetris. I'm decent at it those guys who do it professionally it's like oh my god mm -hmm. like my brain hurts trying to think of how fast they have to be and the strategy they have to be for it so right. i will say it's just stacking blocks sure but there's a lot more to it than just that and that guy was good at it yeah yeah he was um all right um, next one all right um so uh gorilla games has actually retired the killzone.com website. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah, uh, which is leading many to believe that they will not be making Killzone games at all anymore and strictly doing Horizon games. Um, you know, makes while sense. I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that that means I'm going to get more Horizon, but I don't think. I don't think studios should be in a rut of strictly just making one game like different types of games within the same like how rockstar does like yeah. grand theft auto red dead and everything like that gorilla outside of 
Killzone, they only had Horizon. And I had thought that after the second Horizon, they were going to maybe go back to that Killzone well. I mean, I'm sure Sony somewhere still holds the rights to Killzone, so they might just give it to a different team. But I don't know. I I feel like it breeds complacency for Uh, developers when they get stuck just doing one thing. I agree, but you're in this weird situation where these games are so big and so crazy that, like, a lot of studios can only afford to make one. And, you know, they have, like, three- to five-year development cycles. So, like how would you switch back and forth? Like Rockstar gets away with it. Right. But like you think about, they've only released two games in the last decade. Like they're the only ones that can afford to do that. You know, like, so it's kind of like you go with what people know right now, you know? Right. It's, it's tough. It's just, it's cause it's a tough industry. Unless you're a two studio company, it's real hard to make two games, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. My last one. I don't. I know we don't have any overlap because I know you didn't write this one on yours. So okay, Bali for us. And this one, Phil Billy, it's directly for you. It is one hundred percent for you because I was excited about it, but I knew in my head that I wasn't going to be more excited than you. In Exile Studios, the makers of Wasteland Three, we all know why Phil Billy's excited now, but even more so, they have put job listing postings out there. Which makes it so about 90% they're going to be making a first-person shooter game next. And they've only done the Wasteland games, right? Uh, I think they did. They've also done a couple of other ones. They're all top-down isometrics, though. Like They've okay. never done first-person shooter. This will be their first first-person shooter. But like Phil Billy is the Borderlands guy, and he loved Wasteland 3, so now he kind of gets both to both worlds in a lot of ways. Huh. Especially if it's like multiplayer. I, I know that right now, uh, Phil Billy is like, holy shit, that's awesome. Like wherever he is, I know he's doing <laughs> that. Probably not in that exact tone. Um, but yeah. All right. So that's all my odds and ends, man. All right. Uh, well, my last one is uh, our old buddy Ninja. Um, oh, I mean, he anything dumb. I just think it's just dumb. But anyways... He's revealed via Twitter that he's recorded voice lines for a leading role in a TV show. So Ninja's now going to be on TV. So now his ego is going to explode even more. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, we all know my feelings on Ninja. Like I was glad when he was kicked out first on mass singer that season he was on. (laughs) I don't yeah, even know I, like what possessed him in the first place. I I hate people who just they decide that like like they get power and they don't realize like like what they're doing. Like like that the entire industry in a lot of ways like west, rests on their shoulders, uh, but they treat it like it's their own personal plaything, you know. Yeah. It's very frustrating. But All right, so that's it for odds and ends. You want to go to Horrible Arena? Sure. All right. Horrible Gaming Podcast. All right, so that brings us to the main event, the moment you've all been waiting for, the Horrible Arena. What is the Horrible Arena? If you have never watched or listened, well, first of all, please watch or listen more. We're just two poor dudes trying to make it in a podcast gaming world. Uh, But if you haven't, uh, what it is is the two co-hosts of the show, myself and Neil, we are going to pitch you guys a video game. We're going to do this based on pre-existing criteria that... 
if we have a guest, they pick the week before, or if we are alone, we take turns picking so that everything's above board. Now we're gonna pick you the developer. We're gonna pitch you the developer. We're gonna pitch you the title of it, and we're gonna pitch you what it is. And then you guys get to go to all the places and decide what you're gonna spend your hard-earned money on. Now the pre-existing criteria were was take an IP and give it to somebody else. So an IP currently with one company, give it to a different company and pitch the game that they would make with that IP. So that being said, the quantum coin has been tossed. Neil, you are the winner of the flip. Sir, you may take it away. Well, you know, I actually, I don't know if mine's still going to be qualified now because technically, well, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll say the name. Just of... pitch it. Yeah, uh, so it's Halo Siege, and it's going to be made by id Software. Now, I don't know if that technically counts as somebody else now. I mean, it's a different developer, but now it's all Microsoft. So, anyways, um, so the game would be called Halo Siege. Uh, while strides have been made to make uh, Halo a bit more fast-paced... Um, I feel like as time has gone by, 343 has kind of aspired for something that they have made no real efforts to attain, uh, especially judging by the last Halo Infinite gameplay shown. Uh, so with Halo in the hands of id, they can do with Halo what they have done with Doom, make it fast paced in your face action while also giving players a story to follow if they want to follow it or just have that story just be completely optional. You either follow the story and play along or just destroy things just because you can. Um, Halo Siege would see Master Chief stuck alone on a homerunner, uh, Forerunner homeworld teaming with hostile Forerunner and Covenant forces with no way to get back, but leaving him with only one option, and that's what he does best, to make a way back. Um, missions would be linear for the most part, but would take place in large open areas, giving the chief ample room to traverse, but also use tactical, uh, locations and, uh, ability sort of deal, uh, as well as using the thruster pack from Halo 5. That thruster pack would function as it does in Halo 5, but would be used more like a dash as it does in Doom Eternal. However, you could also use that thruster pad to charge up and launch you high up into the air or augment your melee. So if you wanted to really skewer somebody with a sword, you could charge up your thruster and thrust forward and skewer multiple enemies at once. You could throw the whole weight of a punch behind with your uh, with your thruster pack, or you could use it to essentially launch yourself up into the air and rocket back down. Uh, weapons would be able to be picked up uh, within the world like in Halo, but they would not need reloading like they do in Doom. So when the ammo runs out, you basically just have to pick up a new weapon found in the area, almost like they do in action movies, or switch to your secondary weapon. Of course, multiplayer is going to be a huge focus as well, breathing new life into Slayer and other competitive game types, as well as co-op game types such as firefight or playing through the campaign so that is my game it will be called halo siege and it's going to be halo siege and it's going to be made by id i almost said halo reach <laughs> all right that's an interesting game man it's a really interesting game 
So, my turn. My game will be... Well, my license will be Star Wars. It will be taken from EA, and it will be given to Capcom. And they will make specifically Monster Hunter Star Wars. What will be Monster Hunter Star Wars? Well, a lot of what you get from a classic Monster Hunter game will be here, but it will be with the Star Wars stuff. You will first build your character. Now, you will build a character from a few classes. You know, you can get a Jedi in there. You can get a, a shooter or a gunslinger, long range, whatever. But you'll also be able to pick your weapons, much in the same case of Monster Hunter. It just won't be dependent on the weapon itself. So long range blaster, short range blasters. You'll also be able to pick the lightsaber, the dual-sided lightsaber, all the fun weapons from Star Wars. Then you will be able to take contracts to go to different planets and hunt monsters from Star Wars. Nobby Spider, everybody remembers that horrifying thing from The Mandalorian. Well, you will actually be able to go to one of the ice planets and hunt the Nobby Spider. One of the planets will be an ice planet. You'll do enough hunts there to unlock another planet and go there. Now, you'll take contracts from certain people who need these monsters dealt with on the planets, you know, because they're messing up villages or crops or whatever. Um, the way the materials will work which is different than Monster Hunter, because in Monster Hunter, you actually had to cull the creatures, like actually take materials off them to build your armors and weapons. With this, it depends on the type of contract you're taking, what materials you will get from resolving it, whether it'll be Imperial credit, credits or bolts from Tantooine, or you'll have all the specific monetary values, and those specific monetary values will buy you certain specific weapons. Like, bolts might get you sand people weapons from Tantooine, whereas Imperial Credits might get you really nice blasters. Uh, in any case, you'll be able to hunt the full thing. You get the Rancor, the Minoc, all of them. And basically, you will slowly unlock these things over the course. The story will be pretty light because that's what Monster Hunter is. It's all about hunting the monsters, making money, and making more stuff. Now, of course, there will also be like a little social element because Monster Hunter always has that. You'll be able to bring four friends along up to. And what's even cooler is you'll also be able to buy your ship, your big ship. You know, the Razor Crest is what the Mandalorian had. Uh, you can buy like the YT-9000 like the Millennium Falcon uh, or something like that. And then you can trick out the inside. So when you're hosting a game, all your friends get to hang out on your ship uh, with all your little fun activities. And there'll be fun activities. You'll be able to buy a chessboard like the Wookiee played against C-3PO. You'll be able to purchase a little bar. Uh, stuff like that in your ship so that people could just hang out there and be social, kind of like the social meeting hub in the Monster Hunter world. Uh, so yeah, so that's my game. It is Project Monster Hunter World Star Wars, and that is taking on Project Halo Siege. Guys, it's not up to us, though. It's up to you guys. You get to go to all the places and vote that we're about to say in just a second. Horrible Gaming Podcast. That brings us to the end of the show and the shameless self-promotion that it brings. Neil, you got anything special to promote this week? Uh, well, nothing special necessarily, uh, but uh, Halo Infinite Road is out there. Halo Infinite War, that was fun. Um, and I guess we can kind of put a call out there to people who want to get in on that, uh, the next time we do it. I mean, it's going to be a little bit, but Halo two, uh, multiplayer. So that's, that's their an OG classic, yeah. but, uh, 
We're going to have a couple months before uh, we do it. I think Phil I mean, Billy already yeah, got two people. Yeah, it's going to be a while. In. Yeah, Phil Billy already it, got two people. And I'm going to go ahead and up the ante on that, though, because Halo Infinite Road Season 1 finale is this Thursday. If you are listening to this on YouTube, it is tomorrow. If you are listening to this on podcast, it is two days from now. The finale for Season 1, we take on the final part of the Maw, and it is ridiculous, as usual. Ah, uh, um, yes. Memories. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I love doing that show. Um, I want to go ahead and add that Godfall 330 has come back. Um, the second season is real short, though. It's only four episodes uh, because we just, like, there was not as much content in the second world as we thought there was. So we just, like, ate it up in a night. So season two will be the next four weeks. But, well, next three weeks, the first episode's already out, but that's back. I urge everybody to see it. I urge everybody to go see Halo Infinite War. It is a weird show, to say the least, because it's a six-person multiplayer game, and you only get to see it from my point of view. But it is funny. I laughed through the whole first one. I was giggling the entire time. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and the guys who did it with us were a lot of fun. I do want to give a quick shout-out to them, Filthy Phil, Kev Tutal, and Sage. Thank you guys for joining us on that. And as far as the rest of everything, guys, you know, check out everything we have to offer here. Uh, I do want to just point out OG uh, – OMGW is coming back soon. If you are interested in doing a voiceover part, there are still a couple of parts free. You need to get in touch with me like ASAP because I am in the process of recording everything right now for voice stuff for the first eight episodes. So please get in touch with me if you want to do a voice. Other than that, guys, you can check out everything the channel has to offer uh, here. Uh, and you can also talk to us on Facebook at DH on Twitter at OmanGaming9. You can join our Discord. The link will be in the description below. You can influence this and all of our shows from there. And guys, the golden rule is this. If you keep watching and listening, we will keep making it. We'll see you guys next week. Real quick, I totally forgot to tell you the other day. Hmm. Um, I finally watched the third John Wick. Yeah? I wasn't a fan. Oh, God damn it. I loved the first two, but I feel like three was just John Wick two, two. Yeah. It was yeah. like, I mean, I, I it didn't like, I didn't hate everything that I saw. Like I didn't hate it at all, but like I liked that the first two movies had self-contained stories, but alluded to things happening further out. And the end of three very much when, uh, when dude like they they like staged the whole the whole takeover of the hotel and you just shot him off the roof and like now he's with the 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 homeless guy with the birds right um like okay like i can see some stuff going on here but like there's like the 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 old one guy in the middle of the desert because man sits above the high table i told you the story just keeps getting like more and more insane I feel like I, I really hope they don't go beyond like the craziness because I love that it was somewhat grounded in reality. It right. just had that interesting world. But then, yeah, like you had said, like the, the people who can just like disappear into spaces. I'm like, I mean, they do that in spy movies and stuff like that here right. and there. But it's like almost presented as like a supernatural ability. Yeah, and I sushi, don't want the sushi ninjas. Yeah. Like, I don't want 
John Wick four to be like somebody's shooting bullets and he just like stares at them and they all stop in the air and fall in front of them. Yeah, like no craziness they, like that. Yeah, I hope they never get to that. And and actually, that was Phil's biggest problem with the third one. He was like, he was like, by the third one, stuff is so insane that I don't know if I can get on board with it anymore. And I, yeah. I kind of get it. I can get on board with it like one hundred percent. I didn't have any problems with that movie, but like I get it. I think that like. As far as the world building goes, they've built it. They should just like use the world, right? Like I feel exactly. like there's not like, much else I don't to build want out. any more like new things. Like you had the auditor, the auditor was awesome, or not the adjudicator. You had the adjudicator, that was cool. You've got the hotels, you've got the high table, you've got the man who sits above the high table, you got the man, the dude making coins. Like I felt like the third one was like. <clears throat> like the first one hints at the world, but it's a very personal story about John Wick. And right. then the second one is like, okay, here's the world and how John Wick's interacting with it. And then the third one is like, we're going to use John Wick to tour the world. Yeah. You know? And it's like, like, here's all the stuff in the world that we've been hinting at. Okay. Don't add anymore. Make the fourth one just about John Wick tearing shit up. You know, At, well, I mean, we already know what the fourth one is going to be. It's going to be a full on war, which is like, OK, yeah. but like I. At this point, too, like you've not seen the high table. So like there's the whole high table that's going to well, be a thing. Table. Well, you technically saw one one person out of it, yeah. I guess. But still, like they they said there's like 12 so there's 11 other dudes and like and a whole ladies. organization it's well, actually dudes and dudes and it's actually every crime thing that you can think of is what it is so it's like the italian mob the bratva the triads the the uh yakuza like that's what the high table is oh okay like it's the leader of each of those yeah that makes I, sense yeah like, I don't know. It's like, it hasn't turned me off to it. Like, I'll see four when it comes out. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm now, like, I was totally all in the first two. And now, like, the third one, I'm like, ah, okay, okay. <laughs> you got to love that game, though, idea, right, though? Yeah. Like I said, like, now that, like, now that I can actually appreciate it, it's like, yeah, that, that right there. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I'm man. I'm honestly kind of surprised that hasn't happened. I want to build a character who visits a sommelier. From the second one, where it's like, yeah. oh, God, that Somali A scene. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It gave me a hard on, and I'm completely <laughs> proud of that. I'm not proud. I'm not when he's just sitting like, I need something more robust. Oh, more robust. And then he put a giant shotgun there. I was like, I am rock hard right now. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, these two guys, like, totally, I am totally a straight guy, and there are two men on the screen talking sexually about weapons and i am just oh man i am just so turned on 